Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's ILTA podcast interview entitled Improve Staffing with Technology, Case Study on Development of a Staffing Tool. I'm your moderator today, Kristen Rhodes, and I'm a Senior Practice Manager at Paul Hastings, and I'm thrilled to be joined by our speaker, Melissa Prince, who is the Chief Client Value and Innovation Officer at Ballard Spar. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you, Kristen. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. So to get us started, can you provide a little background about your role at the firm and your practice management department and who handles staffing? Sure. Um, so my role at the firm is pretty broad. I'm in charge of a team. Um, there are about 27 of us that handle you know, matter management, pricing, um, client technology, but also the practice technology as well, data management and analytics. And recently, we've also taken on some of the business intelligence um, AI stuff as well. And we don't have a full-fledged practice management team at the firm. And so there are, you know, there are numerous places that it's handled. It starts at the department level, but we also have an attorney career by advancement team that oversees some of the practice management. And then when it comes to the pricing, budgeting stuff, the pricing team, which is under me, oversees that part of it. And then diversity also oversees the diversity part of the practice management component. Okay, fantastic. So it is, it's kind of dispersed throughout various functions. It is. Um, that makes sense. So maybe that's why you needed a tool. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> so to launch kind of right into that as a brief preview, you ended up developing a homegrown tool uh, to enhance the staffing process. And so we're gonna focus on how you garnered support for that. Um, and then how you've since driven engagement with partners and associates to use the tool. So, so to start us off, um, what did you identify as gaps in the staffing process that led to, to the development of this tool? Yeah, so I just wanted to, um, actually, I wanted to just uh, state that we do have a couple of different tools. And one of the, we have an assignment tool that I'm not necessarily going to focus on today that's based upon you know, associates giving us information about their availability and then, you know, the assigning partner at the firm in each department then works on the assigning process. And that's really handled through attorney career advancement. And then we have this diversity tool um, that's that I'm really going to focus on today. And that's the tool that, you know, that that really we've been working on for the last year or so. And um and and that's what we'll talk about that that that's also part of this process. Um, and so the gap that I really was able to identify and our team was able to identify that we developed for you know for the use with this tool was that we were getting a lot of requests for diversity data and information, and you know we would get an RFP at the at the beginning of a matter, and we would provide a diverse team. And a lot of times the data that we would have to then provide throughout the life of a matter through the billing process or through just a, the client request process was very cumbersome to be able to, to provide. And it had to come from a bunch of different places, but a lot of times the request would come from the diversity team to be to the billing team or to the accounting team or to the pricing team. And no one was able to be able to pull the data very easily. And we were seeing that there were a lot of errors in the data that was going back to the client. 
And so when we needed a place where all of us were able to go to be able to pull the data and look at and see the data um, that came out came from the HR system and that we could all rely upon so that when it was going to the clients, the clients knew that the data was accurate. And also so that we knew that when we agreed to something as a part of, you know, the beginning of a client engagement, that we then were able to look and monitor and make sure that the team that we agreed to was actually the team that was doing the work from an assignment perspective. And so that was the gap, the big gap that we tried to rectify through the development of the tool. That's fantastic. And I know a lot of firms struggle with that, both identifying that at the outset and then also tracking it throughout the matter. Um, so that makes sense. And if you could describe at the outset, who were your champions for this tool and what were some of your obstacles? So I would say that the biggest champion um, was the diversity, the, the, the DEI team. And that was a relationship that we spent years building because I think in the beginning of our relationship, we didn't really understand how our team, which is really a business focused team, could interact very much with the DEI team. Um, and this was a way that we really combined our efforts and collaborated on this tool to work together to, you know, to, to really bring, to showcase what they were working on and what we were working on together. And, um, and I'm, I'm very, very proud of it because I think, um, it's something that, that's, you know, that we're proud of and they're proud of, and it couldn't have been made possible without, you know, us working together. And, um, so we. We can we continue to can, to identify projects to work on together as a result of this first project, and I'm sure that there are all sorts of opportunities going forward. Um, but then the next I, the the next biggest champion was just really our clients, because there's a need that was identified, you know, by clients through the collection of this data, and once the client need was identified, then I think that it got our lawyers on board as well. And that's so important. And so it was like first the client, but then when the lawyers understood how important this information was to the clients, then the lawyers were also really excited about it too. And so it's come full circle and um, we have a lot of supporters for it. And it started as an internal tool and has now become client facing as well. So there's an internal component that we created first, and then now we're able to provide it real-time data through through other dashboards for clients where, you know, we send a link and they can log into it on a daily basis to see where the diversity of their team stands. That's fascinating. So that's what I was going to ask as a follow-up is, um, are the clients aware of this tool? Because sometimes the things that we're doing to help them aren't always visible, um, but that's great. You've actually translated that into an external feature. Um, I have to imagine you have to anonymize all of the data, but it just gives sort of a breakdown to give them comfort that um, that the teams are diverse and continue to be diverse. Is that the idea? Um, yeah, this is a complicated subject, but it's not all anonymized if the attorneys have agreed that they that their data can be disclosed. So um, we do go through a process of like when someone's onboarded through the HR process, asking specifically if their information can be disclosed. And when it can, then we share that information oftentimes with clients um, and internally at the firm when, well, with, you know, with the, with the people at the firm that need to know that information. So we have a very specific security model 
But um, if they don't want to share that information, then that's when we anonymize the data. And we're very careful about not sharing that outside of very specific places. And so we, you know, that's the way we've chosen. And then we, and then we, you know, there's a way that, you know, there's um, disclosed and undisclosed data in the model. And that's how we show it. Oh, that, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So pivoting a little bit, how did you guys decide to build it in-house versus going with a third-party vendor? I think that's something we always face, like, do we have the resources in-house? Does it make sense to work with a third party? What drove your decision? So this is always a question that we encounter on like all of the things that we're building in-house and we've chosen recently to, you know, over time, I think things always pivot back and forth. For a long time, we were building, we were purchasing everything externally, and we've now shifted back to building most things internally. Um, and I think that what we've determined is if there's a vendor product that can do it better and cheaper and faster than what we're doing, then we're always willing to consider it. But there's just so much out there in legal right now that's so rapidly evolving. And what we are finding is that um, there's a lot of low code, no, no code solution technology out there that actually has helped our team to be able to build our own technology. And we're doing it with our knowledge base much quicker and faster and better and cheaper. And so um, we spent several years building a Microsoft platform um, internally that just gives us, you know, templates that allow us to build pretty much anything we want to build and do it really, really well. And that's what this is built on. And I don't know anyone, any technology vendor that could build it better, which is not to say that if somebody comes and says to us, you know, there's a reason why you should be using our technology versus your technology. And there are reasons for collaboration and because we can integrate more data elements and points and bring in um, other, for example, like other law firm data that you don't that you can't incorporate that we wouldn't think about using that. But that was really it, it. There just wasn't something that was better. And so that's why we decided to use our technology internally. That's fantastic. And it says a lot about your internal technology teams. I have to imagine, too, that they have that capability. So it sounds great. Um, what features of the tool, um, what are the primary features of your tool? And then what are some things that you're still looking to build out? So the primary features of the tool are that we are able to incorporate um, the ABA model diversity information um, that we look at um, and, in, and as well as what, you know, clients are, what the individual clients are looking for in terms of their, you know, diversity metrics. And then we compare that to our law firm diversity metrics. And then we, you know, then we look at, you know, what the client wants from, you know, at the beginning of a, an engagement and then where we're, what we're actually working in terms of hours and fees on each individual matter. And we can roll that up to the client level. Um, and we break that down very specifically. And so it's not just gender, you know, it's race, it's LGBTQIA plus status um, broken down very specifically. Um, and so, and, and we can look at, I mentioned that we can look at it at the individual level. 
And so pretty much anything a client wants to see, we can break it down to. Um, I mentioned that where we want to go in future is, is to think about better collaboration, both with clients and um, a way to figure out how to work better, frankly, with other law firms. Um, there are vendor products out there now where um, the vendors are reaching out to clients and asking them to purchase the products and then reach out to law firms that they that they work with for use, you know, with all of their law firms. And I think diversity professionals in the industry um, are very leery of those products and aren't wanting to use them yet. But I think that where we need to go is um, a willingness to work with the vendors and work with clients to figure out a way to um, for all of us to kind of incorporate more of all of our collective data in one place. Um, and so. So you're expressing awareness. Is that uh, confidentiality and data uh, privacy concerns? Um, I think so. Yeah. And just. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think just. uh I think we got to get to a place of trust with some of our vendors in the technology space that, that um, yes, that from a data privacy perspective that, 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 you know, that it will be used in the right way. That makes sense. I, this is probably a question I should have asked at the beginning um, and you've, you've touched on it, but for the sake of our audience, I'll, I'll get in a little more granular. So um we know that clients are our users. Who else in the firm are referencing and utilizing the reports, um, particularly because your practice management team is sort of, or the practice management function is pretty diversified? Who has access to them? Um, so the, the we have at each individual uh, department level, we have what's called a director of practice management um, that's in charge of overseeing the practice management function. So those people have access to this reporting, as well as all of the relationship partners for each of the individual clients. Um, they have access to the information. Um, as you can probably imagine, sometimes this, you know, having conversations with the relationship partners about whether they want to disclose this information to clients is the tough part, because especially if the diversity of the team is lacking, you know, I, I think there's a reluctance to talk to the client about that. Um, and so I think we just have to be more willing to have the open conversations about how to improve the diversity of the team with clients. And this is a way to show the data and talk about goal setting. And, and so a lot of times what we do is to say there is no perfection in this, but we, and clients recognize this and whether we're sharing this, this information that we've collected openly, they know because it's going into their system. And so that's a lot of what we talk about. Got it. And I imagine the more you use it, the more people become comfortable with it. And then therefore, again, the more you'll use it as a result of that. So probably snowballs. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then this piggybacking off of that, um, do you have any other ongoing challenges driving the engagement of the tool besides that communication? Any other bumps? 
or what would you recommend for people who are also looking to develop this kind of tool? I think the the tough thing with any um, any the the rollout of any technology tool, frankly, is that, um, and this is something that my teams and I say all of the time, is that there is no innovation if there is no adoption, and the rollout of technology tools is really tough because it requires um, constant follow up, because if someone uses a tool one time and there's something that they don't like about it, um, and someone's not seeking feedback on the use of the tool and constantly seeking to improve it, and then that person thinks that there's something wrong with it, then they're likely to not use it again. And so what we've tried to do is that last year, as part of our team process, we developed an engagement team, um, and that's really made a world of difference because the, the engagement team is part of the training and the rollout of all new technology tools. And what they do is they seek feedback on the tools and then they try to be a part of an iterative, iterative process of then um, each, you know, each implementation of anything new that is updated in the tool, they're, they're a part of the rollout of that and they seek feedback in an iterative process way. And I think that's really, really important. And so this tool, like any other tool, then requires them to continuously train, you know, the new users of it, of it and to seek and to seek feedback on what's working and not working and to continue to try to improve it. Um, because otherwise, if if use falls off and it's not being used, then then we haven't done our job in the right way. Um, and I think that's true for any of our technology tools, but I think it's particularly true for a tool like this where we need people to use it because if they don't use it, then it's of new, no use in the, you know, in the development. And so I'm well aware of that. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I, I like having the engagement team and then the, um, the iterative approach to um, improving. You know that you're not, you're never done. You're always just trying to adapt to the user base. I think that's great. Well, those are all the questions I have. Melissa, is there anything else that I neglected to ask or that you wanted to point out so that would be useful for people to hear? I think you've done a great job. This has been an excellent conversation. <laughs> I can't think of anything you missed. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it was great talking with you. And thank you as well to the audience who will be viewing and tuning in shortly. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.